covenant that you have given us the strength to remain steadfast. And I ask God for this people that we would trust that you have given us what we need just for today. That we have hope for today. We have faith for today. We have love for today, God. We thank you that you have given us that hope and that love. And we believe, God, that you have given us the strength to keep standing. Lord, we thank you for your abundant provision for us, Lord. Yes. Yes. For your uh, hand that never lacks for any of us, Lord. Please, God, continue to cultivate us in a desire and an appetite for you, Lord. That with all that we have acquired and attained, Lord, that, that our desire for you would be just as great as all of that, Lord. You want to hear some good news? Yeah. Read your Bible. You can, um, if you can, <clears throat> you can turn to the last couple chapters of John. But while I'm up here, if you uh, can keep the, we've sent five guys to Pogoru do the annual fall crushing that we do up there. Um, and one of them being Lewis will be up there and Anthony and Chris Brown and a couple other good employees will be up there. But they'll be working 24-7. One crew will be night shift, one crew will be day shift. But um, it's a pretty, pretty big push uh, to get that done. So if you think of them, send prayers their way, they, they will really appreciate it. So it's, uh, I, I feel bad for Lewis, he's over there, but it's, I haven't been up there in a few years and Aaron is home this time. And we're hoping that now with the help of Anthony and another guy that has been going to Hughes with Aaron to help do some training and crushing He's also really good, and we're hoping that next year and the near future, those guys will be able to handle that and won't have to rely on us doing that. So uh, that's encouraging, but we do <clears throat> covet your prayers. Pogo is in high alert right now. They had a big safety inspection. Uh, they normally get one every, they get one every three or four months with usually one guy and just uh, about three weeks ago, they got hit with four MSHA inspectors all at once. <clears throat> and they went through that place, safety inspectors. They went through that place with everything they could and they hit them pretty hard. And so right now, if you're in the safety department, they're very high alert and I'm sure that they will make us pay for any of our uh, <clears throat> things that we might not do up to their standards. So. They could use prayer that way too. Um, if you turn to um, here, the last couple chapters, I'm just going to relate a story and really just read <clears throat> one or two verses. But um, I didn't know I was preaching about that. It's, um, yeah. 
think I brought the right notebook. I got some notes in Spanish here. That'll be interesting too. Thanks, appreciate that. This is guiding me a little bit. I just uh, let me, I want to start with what I know, what I remember. Um, in um, after the um, the crucifixion, right? We remember those uh, those stories there when when um, Jesus uh, went to the cross and he um, he was crucified and you know they didn't know what was going to happen um and <clears throat> mary magdalene and they were crying and uh jesus appears unto her and um and talks to her a little bit and tells her to tell the rest of the disciples that uh that he's alive and and to tell them the good news that he you know he didn't just totally go away so you know, she goes and she talks to the disciples, and um, a few days later, they're all gathered together. And I just, for the sake of time, I don't want to take a lot of time today. Um, I never do, but still don't. Um, the, the disciples are talking in a room with their doors closed because it says because they're afraid of the Pharisees and what might happen to them. So they, they're talking, and uh, Jesus walks in through the doors closed. And appears unto them. I would say that's a pretty dramatic uh, experience to be there, gathered in your own fear, and you know, wondering what's happening. And he appears through the door, uh, through the walls, or whatever. However, it is that he walked through. Um, that would encourage me, I think, if uh, if I was there. Uh, so that was. Uh, an appearance that he had to them and then you know they all not all the disciples were there so they were talking to to the rest of them and Thomas was not what other one of the ones that wasn't there and he he said well I can't believe that, that happened unless I get to see it with my own eyes and I guess I get I get to handle it and feel it with my own hands so uh, also uh, not too far of a judgment from what we would have thought ourselves right um, so um, so Jesus is gracious enough a few days later to appear unto them again and goes right to Thomas and says hey I'm here and this is me and he lets him uh, feel him and, and touch his wounds and um, you know Thomas obviously that's another dramatic experience right um, and it's it says there at the end of uh, the Chapter 21, I think. 
How many chapters? Yeah, 21. It says that uh, many, many other things like that happen. Uh, <clears throat> but then later on it says that he appeared for the third time. So I'm not exactly sure how, how that happened. But uh, <clears throat> Peter, um, and uh, this is me relating this story, okay? So it's my interpretation. If it doesn't fit, you don't witness to it, that's totally fine. Um, but Peter doesn't seem to be fully convinced of what's happening. Of, you know, it, it seemed that he wasn't maybe as touched as he should have been. I think I would have been touched, uh, you know, seeing him walk in through the door, showing me the wounds, uh, doing all, all that interactions that were happening. And then it says that many other things, miracles like that happened in those days. Um, but uh, so they're sitting there together one day and... Peter says, uh, you know what? I'm going to go fishing. Um, I, I'm going to go back to what I know how to do. Um, I'm not, I don't know if, if he was, I was going through his head, if he was still probably pondering the betrayal, probably still feeling like uh, he should have handled that a little bit differently. Um, I'm, I don't know, but he, it, it seemed that he, something was still bothering him, and he went back to what he knew how to do, um, which actually a little plug for work, it's not necessarily a bad thing to go back to what you know how to do. Peter did it. So, uh, but, uh, so then he goes fishing, and, and they fish all night, and uh, don't catch anything, and <clears throat> Then Jesus appears to them one more time early in the morning and, uh, and ask them if they caught anything. And they say, no, <laughs> no, nothing. And uh, Jesus says, well, cast your net on the other side of the boat. So they do that. And we know the story. Uh, you know, they catch a lot of fish more than they can pull in. And too bad the Bible doesn't really tell more detail, but all of a sudden Peter sort of disappears. It says that he, he, he left them and went to, and they, at this point, you know, it says that they, didn't, they did not know that it was Jesus, but I bet they had a pretty good feeling that it was him uh, that had come to talk to them. And... It just, it, it hit me a little bit how we don't know the time in the season when God decides to touch your heart. It didn't come, it seems like, at least from what I'm seeing, in the miraculous appearances that he had when he went through the wall to talk to him. Um, should have been touched. I mean, that seemed pretty spectacular. Um, and maybe he was, I, I don't know, it doesn't tell us, but um, it, it, it hit me a little bit that it, it happened out in an early morning, out doing what he knew how to do. Uh, seems to me a little bit disappointed or a little bit down, um, discouraged or, or something. And then that one thing that he needed, the Lord coming and saying, why don't you do this? And then all of a sudden, what he knew how to do didn't matter all that much anymore. You know, the, the fish 
forget it. He just took off um, to be with the Lord, to talk to him. Um, he just left them there. And, um, and then, um, you know, they, they can't pull the fish in and, and the disciples are coming towards the shore and, you know, they see that there's a fire and there's fish and bread. I imagine there was coffee. They're waiting for them. Yeah, Ted hopes so. Probably no tea. But anyway, um, that he, they, they get, come close to the shore and Jesus invites them to come and eat. He says, come and eat. And they have a little gathering there um, by the fire. And Jesus gets to the heart of what he wanted Peter to get. What he wanted his disciples to get. Um, and I'm, I'm taking a little bit of time telling you the story that you all know so well. Because sometimes we get this idea that there's something that we got to do. Something that we must perform or something that we must be in order to be met by the Holy Ghost. To be, to be met by what the Spirit of God really wants out of us. And, you know, it, it just, it hit me that walking through the door somehow didn't do it for Peter. Uh, and, you know, all the other miracles didn't do it. But the one little thing, you know, the, the fish in the net, all of a sudden, that caught his attention. And that didn't matter anymore. And, and then that just opened him up for what the Spirit of God really wanted to talk to him about. Which is something that where I've been the... For a little while now, and um, <clears throat> just want to read. You know, we, we all remember the story well, where they're sitting there, and, and Jesus says, uh, "Peter, um, do you love me?" And Peter says, "Yes, Lord, I, I I love you." And the Lord asks him again, and you know, he says, "You know that I love you." And you know, after the third time, Peter was getting pretty annoyed. Because it seemed that he wasn't believing him. And down in verse 18 of chapter 21. <clears throat> um, Jesus says to him, and... and Verily, and we read this a lot, and we've talked about this quite a bit, so it's just where I'm at. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whether thou wouldest. Just like going out fishing that time. You know, I'm not getting any answers out of this thing. I'm just going to go do what I know how to do. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hand. And, you know, that's an important thing there, to stretch forth thy, your hand. Brother Bill's talked a lot about the only thing that we have is to make ourselves available, to offer ourselves. That's what this stretching out your hand is about. To say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what you're doing. But I'm here and I'm available. And I would I covet your touch. It says, and another, that, like that, I love that, that another 
Shagurdi. And, uh, you know, God doesn't just, um, he, he prepares us. <laughs> he, he, he sends someone else, his Holy Spirit, his spirit to gird us. And, you know, that girding is to bind about, to prepare you. And, you know, um, another is going to, another, which I believe is himself, the Holy Spirit, is the one that is preparing us for what the next step is. And another will gird you and will carry you where you would not. And, you know, that is probably out of the whole Bible. Those are probably the worst words in the whole thing for our carnal man that that another is going to gird you and another is going to carry you where you would not um, you know I, I don't like that picture of uh, that much weakness that much uh, inability to do anything when you're being carried I mean, we all seen children being carried, but imagine as an adult, I don't know if you've ever been injured, to where someone else is carrying you. Um, you have no control about what's happening to you. Um, I remember thinking about this when I was helping my mom a few years back <clears throat> after she had been a very um, agile woman and able to do a lot and then be in a wheelchair where she couldn't even walk. Uh, be in a place where she was not able to do anything, uh, anything at all. We had to teach her how to talk, how to eat, how to chew. Um, back in that day, we were doing the Doman. We were big time into the Doman program and I got on my knees and crawled with her to try to teach her how to get in motion again and um, but it's pretty uh, debilitating for the person who can't do anything and I remember you know her depression was more that she just couldn't do anything it wasn't so much the injury or what had happened it was just the fact that going from a place where you could do something to a place where you could even feed yourself or walk or go to the bathroom you know, some minor <laughs> details that we don't pay much attention to sometimes. But another carrying you and taking you where you would not. You know, and I, I like the fact that it says that another, and this another is not just any other one. It's not, it's not my friend. Uh, it's not my wife. It's not my family. Uh, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, is the Father who is doing the carrying uh, of us. And, and you know, um, we try to find remedies for how to help this uh, and how to, how to not be so helpless. You know, there's a good picture of that in, in the story of uh, David and Saul. Because uh, when David was going to fight the giant, Saul thought that he needed to be better prepared for, the, for fighting a giant, right? And, and he thought, you know, I, I, I'm a king. I have armor. I have the best armor that you could give someone. And he tried to give him that, and, and it didn't work. 
And we do that a lot. We try to gird ourselves. We try to, to um, prepare ourselves for what's ahead. And um, it's, you know, it's pretty clear that it's, it's another that is going to gird you. And it's that other one that is going to be the one that is going to carry us. And, you know, I've been stuck in that whole aspect of uh, allowing um, the Lord to be the one who does the carrying. To be the one that does, the the one that takes us uh, places where we don't know what it is. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot in us that wants to perform, there's a lot in us that wants to, to do something, to, to, to do good things. Um, but I, I, you know, this, this is a, we're in a program that calls for being carried, uh, that calls for total dependency on uh, His help um, and His taking us uh, where we wouldn't necessarily go and it's not something that we manufacture it's not something that that we you know uh, it doesn't mean that that we do nothing right sometimes we say these things you know the impression is given that that you just you know well whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do with me today he's gonna do um, no we're not talking about that we're talking about there being a, a willingness and an openness to allow him to take us places that we don't normally would but he's the one that is leading us and he's the one that is uh, taking us to those places because that is the thing that will bring forth the life that he wants uh, that he that he has intended to come out of us us you know coming up with a program coming up with ways to to do good things and, and all that doesn't really cut it to the level, to the depth of what God is, I feel, calling us to be. Uh, and, you know, and, and that calling is to be helpless, to be dependent, not helpless so much as to be dependent on His guidance and His leading to only the place where he is taking us through it. You know, <laughs> just, the, just the, the, our circumstance with the river alone, it's, it's a good picture of God always messing with our program. You know, we've had all kinds of meetings and ideas as to what we should do what we can do what how can we better um, uh, you know prepare ourselves for what's ahead and you know God does something like this very you know just from one day to another and we're totally out of sorts I'm sure that there are things that might have prepared us to some extent but then you don't know what the next thing is that God is going to mess with and um, doesn't mean that we don't do certain things, but we always have to know that regardless of what we prepare ourselves, what we think we're doing, that, that God is the one that is the author, and He's the one that holds the big stick in His hand, 
and the one that is going to be the director of his program. And uh, we can't, you know, we, we can't rearrange that. And, you know, I, I thought of uh, Jonah, how, um, speaking of being carried, um, you know, God is not too worried about our ideas and our program. Uh, God, God gave Jonah a call, gave him something to do, and Jonah didn't really uh, think that that was for him, right? He, he didn't really like the idea of going to Nineveh, and so he decided he was going to go a different route. And, you know, I, I actually really do love this about God, that that did not stop God from doing what he was going to do with Jonah. Aren't you thankful for that? Because sometimes we don't know what we need. And we don't know what's best for us. And, you know, he, Jonah was like, you know what? That is not for me. I'm, I'm going to go this way. And it doesn't show anywhere where God, for a second, was worried. My God, Jonah is not going to do what I told him to do. Um, thank God that he knows how to redirect our agenda to bring us to the place where he is able to carry us where he wants us to go. And I mean, the, the, the method that he sent for Jonah to be carried was not one we would have picked. Uh, not a very comfortable ride, but, uh, but God knew how to get to him. And, you know, um, trying to get to this thing that there are things that sometimes we think we gotta do. Uh, and, you know, if you gotta run like Jonah, Run like Jonah, because God is not bothered by that. Um, I'm not advising it. I think that if, if you come before him and say, Lord, I do want your, your hand to be upon me, that's a, a better way to go. Um, but, you know, the other, on the other side, you know, uh, Saul, uh, <clears throat> Paul, right? He thought he was had a seal for God and he could do something. And God also didn't mind stopping him right on his track and saying, you're not going to do that either. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what your thing is. God can deal with that. And God knows how to bring us to the place where I believe that he's, he's dealing with us to, to bring us to a place where, where he's going to show us that he's going to be the one doing the directing and doing the carrying and we're going to be the ones that are going to be carried and led and directed by his work. And so, you know, um, Job is another example of someone who, you know, had it pretty together. Uh, and God also wasn't overly impressed by that at the end. Uh, I mean, he did, at the beginning, told the devil, I mean, he was a little bit impressive, maybe, I don't know. I mean, he told the devil, have you seen this guy? I mean, he's, he, <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's also a high standard to call him, you know, the most righteous man on the earth. That's pretty upright, not righteous, upright. Um, but that, you know, but, but Job didn't, um, Uh, what was I going to say? Job didn't. God wasn't. That wasn't the. What all that God wanted out of Job. 
Um, it was a good start. And you know, Job, Job thought he probably that he had something going. I mean, he was upright. He had made sacrifices. He prayed in the morning. He prayed in the evenings. He prayed for his children. He had all these things. But um, it wasn't exactly at all where God was going with him. And, um, and like Jonah, you know, he took him through a process. And Job didn't do that. And, you know, Jonah kind of did some of this to himself. But um, God uses what you're in, involved in. The, the boat that you go fishing, you know, because you're escaping something or whatever is happening. Whatever it is that, that, that you do. God uses those methods to get our attention to the place where we come to where we allow him to be the one that is the one that does the directing and the carrying and the taking us to places where we normally wouldn't. And, you know, in, in Jonah, just two, two verses that I want to read, because more and more it just seems that that God uses what we're involved in and the, the circumstances of our affliction or our trial to, to get out of us what he really wants. And, and, and Jonah 2, 2, you don't have to turn there. Um, we're very familiar with this, but it says, did Jonah cry by reason of mine affliction? I, and I... And, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. You never know when God is hearing your affliction. And he uses our circumstances, he uses our trials to bring us to a place where we can actually cry and have the kind of cry that he hears. And then verse, uh, verse 7. It says. There's a lot of good verses there. But just wanted to. Bring this to out. It says. When my soul fainted within me. I remembered the Lord. And my prayer. Came unto thee. Into thine holy temple. It's, you know. It's, it's that place of. Total. God, I can't do anything about this. Total dependency. That, uh, that our cry goes right to the center of his heart. And, and you, know, that's the, that, you know, that's the heart of what I want to leave with us tonight. That when we get to that place where we can cry, the kind of cry that God intends out of us, to, to come out of us so that we are finally able to relinquish uh, the reins of our agenda, our thoughts, uh, what we think should be done, and allow Him to be the one that, that takes us uh, to where, to, to really the fulfillment of what He intends. Um, because uh, his, he's got a purpose in all of this uh, for us together but also individually and, 
in that place of, and he does, you know, he brings us to that place by allowing the things that, you know, I think if, if you were to look around, you can pretty much see that everybody here is going through something or something is, is happening in everybody's life. And it's all God's work to bring us to a place where, where we can, you know, like Jonah, say, Lord, I, I am totally dependent right. on what you have. And, you know, um, <clears throat> there was no other way for Jonah, <laughs> nowhere else to run. Um, and um, that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. It's, it's the mercy of God to corner us. It doesn't matter if you have the seal that Silas had or if you have a, or if you are trying thinking that you're running away. God knows how to bring us to a place where where he um, he does is able to have us still long enough so that he can perform that that you know he's been trying to do in in all of us and um, uh, there's a couple other things I wanted to say but my main point tonight is Allow God to carry you. Allow Him to be the one that is doing the carrying because He knows how to take us to the right place. We, we don't know where we're going, but the, the, the thing to remember is that from the very beginning, He's carried us. Um, you know, if you want to look at your life, you know, I can look back at where I've been and where I was and I didn't get here on my own. Um, God did the carrying. Uh, and, and He did the directing. And He brought me and He's brought you so far. Uh, thus far. But He's not done. Um, he's got a lot still, I think, that He's in the process of doing. And, you know, I was reading um, in Deuteronomy, and I won't take the time. But um, when, uh, when the children of Israel were, uh, uh, you know, when, when, when they were all at the brink of crossing the Jordan, uh, Moses is reminding them that, um, that God had carried them all the way through. And, and I actually do want to read that one verse. Um, it's in Deuteronomy 131. Because sometimes we feel that God either has left us or hasn't been in charge or in control the whole way here. And the truth is that he is the only one that has orchestrated it to bring us exactly to the place where we are. And in Deuteronomy 1, I think it's verse, uh, <clears throat> yeah, 31, but... I wanted to pick it up in 28 or 29, something like that. It 
Verse 27. Verse 27, this is Moses talking to him. It says, and, and you mur murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us forth out of, a, out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into a, the, land, the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. I, I mean, that, that's pretty strong language there, but I guarantee that similar words that come out of you saying, I mean, really, have you been really in charge and did you really have my best in mind when, you know, we're allowing me to be where I'm at today. And then verse 28, it says, Whether shall we go up or our brethren have <clears throat> discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we, which was true. The cities are great and well, walled up to heaven. That was true. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Then said I unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. You know, remember that. Dread not, neither be afraid of them. Whatever is speaking to you, whatever is telling you that the enemy is stronger, don't listen to him and don't be afraid of him. Verse 30 says, The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bear thee as a man doth bear his son in all the ways that you went until you came into this place. He never left you, not for one minute. Did, did he leave you alone or was he not a part of orchestrating the place where you're in today? And, and that, but that's not all. He's still, he's still doing that, but he's just demonstrating that no, he has not left you, and he's the one that has brought you all the way to here, and he has the power to bring you into the fullness of what he intends for you. I mean, he, 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 this, is, this is just the, the beginning of the work that God is doing and is going to perform and is, is performing in all of our lives, but it does allow a total dependence on <clears throat> what he is wanting to do. And I'll close with this in Exodus 19. <clears throat> Verse 3, it says, And Moses went up unto God, and the, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you out unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice, and you know, it goes on, but he wanted him to know that you've seen what I did, how I, I totally pulled you out of that, and I'm the one that has brought you unto myself. Because that is what God is doing. He is in the process of bringing us to Him. Not to something else. Not to some sort of great, you know, all those things might happen on the way. But the process that He's involved in is to bring your life and my life to where we are in union with Him. That's, you know, that's what the, the call and the process of what he's doing with all of us. So regardless of how you feel, remember,
He hasn't left you. He didn't bring you here to waste your time. He actually has been a part of the caring that you've experienced thus far. You can be dismissed.